Welcome, my friends, to Scry Me a River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Dennis, we're back again mm-hmm. for another week. Thanks to all the people who have sent in questions so far. Uh, as ever, we do. We're always we're always hungry for questions. The appetite for questions they're like they're like chicken nuggets, Dennis. There's no end to how many of them I want. If I were to offer you like a thousand dollars, yes. Already, eat. I'm into this. Already, yeah, I like a, the situation. It's good, right? It's a good it's start. Really good start. If I were to offer you a thousand dollars to eat, let's say a hundred and fifty chicken nuggets, could you do it in an hour? In an hour? Well, I'd give it my best shot. Absolutely. Like there's all upside for me. Win-win, free, yeah. It's either it's, a thousand bucks or free nugs. Well, free. I mean, it's, well, the nugs are free either. Or, or, or do I have to pay for them if I? Oh, it's like a steak. I've, I've always wanted to do one of those challenges where yeah. you get like the steak the size of a toilet seat or whatever. Yeah. Because I like. Here's the thing. I look at it. I'm like, I could definitely yeah, eat that. Yeah, but I, I know also know that yeah. that's what everybody thinks that's when they look at thinks. it. Yeah. But yeah. also, I know I could definitely eat that thing. We, though, were, you know we were in town. Megan and I were in town the other day in Glasgow. Um, and in the middle of the like in the middle of the main street, that like the the Buchanan Street, it's a like a pedestrian wall mall walkway thing. And um, there was a bloke there with this thing. It's like, hang off this bar for 60 seconds. Oh, those you, are rigged. Dude. And you yeah. win 500 bucks. And Megan was like, there's no way. There's, like, I could do that easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. I would hang, hang off, off a bar for a minute as if that's even difficult, right? It's kind of like doing a chin-up. You just hang off the bar, yeah. Well, and I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, this actually does seem really easy. So I wonder, I wonder what's going on. Anyway. Uh, we watched a guy do it. It turns out the bar isn't fixed to the thing. Yeah, the rolls. bar spins. Yeah, the bar rolls. spins. So you just you just lose your grip after like thirty five yeah, seconds. Yeah, you're not looking at your arm strength. You're looking at your finger grip strength. And and that just goes apparently really quickly. So I, yeah, we did we didn't do it. Um, I would have liked to watch her lose you know her fifty pounds or whatever. But I, Steve ult- Lyon. Ultimately, yeah, it was. Uh, Ultimately, we, we avoided the con. Anyway, I don't know how we got on, onto this. We were supposed to be talking about people sending in questions. Please send in your questions. Um, and, and again, thank you to the people who have done so so far. If you want to be part of the show, that's the best way to do it. Send in those mm-hmm. questions asking for advice. The queries, the questions, the quandaries, Dennis. Because I'll tell you what, as we said, we're hungry for them. Hungry for them. Like yeah. as, hungry, as hungry as you are to climb on top of that spinning old bar. Oh, actually, there's something else I want to talk about here. What's that? Oh, it's, not a, it's not a pleasant story, Dennis. It's not, um, it's not something ooh. that... Ooh, strap in! I love that. I love. I love. I love the timbre of your voice well, as you talk no, about the this. other. Because the other thing that came up is like my age, right? Because mm-hmm. Megan's a little bit younger than me, and I was sort of thinking like, oh, there's not. I'm not in peak phys. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not at my peak physical uh, fitness. Whereas, whereas obviously she she's off working with horses all the time, so she's like she's ripped as anything. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'd be able. To, like, I'm. I might even be too old, right? And. There's there's been a couple of things that have happened to me, you know, since hitting thirty or being around this this point in my life that have made me feel age, aged, Dennis, mm-hmm, like a wine, but not in a good way. Because uh-huh. what happened like a, to me recently? I started playing some, the outer, you know, the video game Outer Worlds. I'm familiar with Obsidian's video yeah, game Outer like, Worlds. Oh, I love Obsidian. I'll, I'll play anything by Obsidian. Nice the Old Republic too, baby. Yes, Fallout New Vegas, love it. But I started playing the Outer Worlds, and for the first time in my life, for the first time ever. My history on this, uh, on this, on this, on this blue earth, Dennis. I went through the character creation, did all the perks, did all the attributes, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. skill points, everything. Got to the character customization. Yep, hair, beautiful eye color, fantastic. Yep, bit of facial hair, beautiful looking, fantastic, my man. And then finished and looked at it and went, "That's too young." 
Oh, your projection of yourself. Your projection of yourself was younger than... Oh, where's no. The, where's the age slider? Where's the age slider? For the first time in my life, Dennis, I manipulated the age slider on a, on a video game, and I did not enjoy the experience. It you, was manip- a, you pushed it to the right, yeah. I had to push that bad boy to the right. Had it's, to like, some, it's like when you're signing feet. up for a website, and, you, and your birthday, your year for your birthday is a scroll oh, yeah, away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have to start like flicking through to try to find uh, 1999. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not fun, Dennis. It's not fun. You wouldn't understand... When I was your age, when I was the a, a uh-huh. tender, a tender young, I mean, you're 26, aren't you? I'm 26, yeah. Oh, so much left to learn, Dennis. So mm, many things. Mm. So much of the world hasn't... Uh... You've been playing Death Stranding, haven't you, speaking of video games? Oh, man, it's like getting a second job. I've been playing Hideo Kojima's <laughs> masterpiece, Death Stranding, where... Um... So basically, for those of you who haven't heard of this video game, it is from the, the mastermind that is Hideo Kojima, a yep. disgraced video game developer who uh, left slash was fired from Konami for wasting too much time and money and making Metal Gear Solid Five. Doesn't, doesn't sound like him. Yeah, so in Death Stranding, I'm going to boil it down for you, basically. It's a post-apocalyptic game where you deliver packages. So most of the game is walking, you know, over hills. It's like hiking. You, it is you just play, a walking simulator. You play Breath of the Wild, right? Yes. Have you ever tried to climb a mountain in the rain in Breath of the Wild? Oh, it's the worst. Absolutely. The actual worst experience. That you Death Stranding that is that that's the whole game. That's the whole game. The whole game is just climbing up mountains, then falling down a little bit, then climbing back up and falling yeah, down. Yeah, but a also bit. sometimes you drop your packages. Oh, and you have to go you have to go pick oh, them up again. Oh my goodness. Oh my good. That sounds awful. Can I read you a review that I really enjoyed? Hit me. <clears throat> uh, this is in response to the question, is it fun? And the reviewer says the moment-to-moment gameplay is essentially non-existent. Of course it's not fun. It's perfect. I hate the game. The game hates me. 10 out of 10. Kojima does it again. Yeah, which uh, which uh, which ostatious reviewer wrote that there, right? That was Dennis Stranjak who yeah. sent it to me the day after he'd started. So has it improved from that at all? Or? Oh, it's even better. I hate it even more. And the, and, and the game hates you even more? Yeah. So what are you up it's to now? Like 12 out of 10? I'm up to like... Oh, yeah. 12 out of 10. Easy. Man, I don't understand this game. I've been looking. I've been looking. Like I've watched a few. I, I watched the clip that you sent to me where Conan O'Brien is in it. Apparently, yeah, man. Perfect game, flawless. Perfect. I I just don't understand it. I don't understand um, it. Nah, look, it's it, it's it's a young person's game, Riley. It's oh, hard. You're okay. not really target audience. Yeah, yeah. While I'm plodding away with the dinosaurs playing, you know, bloody pong on a. On a on a TI eighty four or something. Yeah, big old CRT beaming radiation to your eyeballs, mate. I don't like being old. It's not. Do you know what? Do you know what comes with being old, Dennis? What's that? Wisdom. Right. Wisdom, and we're here to dispense that wisdom to bring it back to this advice podcast that we're supposed to be doing. We're here to dispense wisdom, my friends. But I'll, I'm going to I'm going to dispense another bit of you know the best kind of wisdom. Value. Unsolicited wisdom. Ooh. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna dispense a bit of un- unsolicited wisdom for our viewers here. For our viewers, the people who watch this podcast, sit there mm-hmm. staring at their phone screens the while they're watching. Form, it, yeah. Pl- yeah, exactly. Watching it bounce up and down. Um, no, I want to tell you about ChannelFiber.com, Dennis. It's the sponsor of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. We both aware. we both are employed by them, so I don't know why I'm trying. I'm not actually. I know actually. I don't want to tell you about them. You already know all about ChannelFiber.com. You're in mm-hmm. the loop, as it were. But mm-hmm. uh, listeners might be interested to know that uh, CFB is offering. Uh, they've got a, they've got a special offer coming up uh, to do something called Black Friday. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's what that is. That, yeah, that's something that doesn't really. I mean, it, it didn't traditionally make its way across the Atlantic Ocean to you and I, mm. but um, in recent years, it kind of has. Basically, um, society dissolves between a Friday and a Monday, and people brawl out in the streets for savings. That's kind yes. of how I would describe Black Friday. But you, it's listener, the corporate version the, of the purge. 
Yeah, you can. That's really good, actually. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. stay in the comfort of your own home and accrue that value just by sitting in your old chair from chanfarble.com. Yeah, they've got this thing coming out. It's like a it's a subscription box, right? Like a loot box. They're going to send it to you every three months if you sign up. And there's going to be items that have been, quote unquote, handpicked by Team CFB just for you. Mm. Uh, you can sign up between November the 20th, 25th to 28th. Uh, you'll save 20% on your first box if you do that. Um, and that discount is only available in the week before Black Friday. Make sure you go to channelfarble.com starting November 22nd for more details so you don't miss out. But Dennis, what are these handpicked items going to be? That's what I want to know. I like. I, I know you said I'm on the inside, but I honestly don't know. I have to oh, assume this is mate, like some fresh tomatoes from like this, Luis's garden, that kind of thing. This is like, you know, you know Gavin Verhey kept mystery boosters close to the chest? Mm. This has been kept inside the chest of CFB. Oh, yeah, they had yeah, these yeah. surgically implanted in their chest. That's how hard, That's how close these cards are being played to the chest. All right, so you think it's tomatoes from uh, from LSV's garden? That's I think that's a good bet. That's pro. That, I, 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 that's, le- I leaned heavily on the hand picked aspect. I'd be very surprised if it weren't that. To be honest, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if it weren't that. What's your honest, earnest guess for an item that exists in the first edition of this box? Probably, some, like probably uh, some manner of uh, either accessory or maybe like a token or a, or a deck box or a, a, um, a probably not a deck box or a, a playmat that's been signed. Probably some mm-hmm, signed mm-hmm. stuff from, from Team, C- Team CFB. Maybe some like signature cards from all of them. Like maybe you've got like a selection of Jund cards from Reed or something like that. Ooh, that'd be cool. That wouldn't be too bad. Maybe maybe some you know something uh, Viper Brood related from Gabby there. That'd be very yeah, cool yeah. as well. I'm actually genuinely quite curious. So yeah, I, I do I will, be, I will be he- I will be heading over on November 22nd. Do with you reckon, else. Dennis? Do you reckon you can uh, get me one of them? subscriptions on on the old on the free ski there seeing as you've got uh, the well, inside i can get you a subscription rate and i can even get you 20 percent off Ooh. if you sign up between 20, november 25th and 28th a 20 percent no, i mean it's not quite on the free skis but i'll tell you what I'll, I'll take what i'll take what i can get at this point dennis all right right what we're about to get here is mm. down to some sweet sweet advice yeah let's get to it our first question dennis comes to us from david clark and david asks My Magic friends all love Commander, but I've never been that into it as I mainly play competitive formats. They always bug me to join them, but I'm not sure if it's for me as it seems like winning is frowned upon. That's a. That's quite a. That's a. That's a pretty. Yeah, that that takes kind of pretty spot on. That's kind of true, actually. Yeah. Yeah, is, yeah. What should I do? How do I get them to stop bugging me about it, or should I just swallow my pride and build a deck? So I can definitely relate to the position sure. David is in when it comes to sort of my commander origin story, Dennis. But um, you because we're both quite into commander. So what was your like? How what was your entry into the format look like? Did was it something like David's? Well, here's the thing. You say I'm quite into Commander, and I'm happy to play Commander, and I like it fine. But yeah. I honestly, I identify very heavily with David here. Yeah, Commander's yeah. in this weird space, and multiplayer magic is in this weird space overall. But I feel like especially Commander, because that's the main kind of people play. Where four people sit around a table, let's say players A, B, C, and D. And for a game of Commander to be like a quote-unquote good game, or for it to yeah, be a successful a success. game. Yep, yep. Yeah, player A and B and C and D all have to do their thing, whatever Quite their deck is supposed to do. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Not not to the extent where they necessarily win with it, to the mm. point where everybody's satisfied and then somebody can win to yeah. wrap it up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, you know, it's like going on a first date with someone. You know that you've got to sort of do like all, you've got to do the dance and you've got to sort of, you know, ask all that you got to get through all the small talk and, and, and before you can, you know, get to the good stuff, get to the smooching. Because... 
we all know it, but you can't actually talk about the the rules being the way that they are because otherwise it just ruins the whole affair. Yeah, and like you have to, you have to, yeah, you have to like keep up this illusion of <laughs> yeah, competition yeah. or like. Yeah. But then, like, I mean, some people like that part of the game. That's what that's where the kind of the political part of the game goes into it. We're like, oh, I won't attack Steve because he attacked Sarah last turn. Yada yada yada. Yeah, and that's honestly just not something I'm super interested in in Magic. Like, I'll play Commander with my friends, but there's something I found where um. We were talking about some video game before, uh, me, me and a buddy of mine. He was saying how, oh, I don't like Mario Kart unless I play it with, like, some of my, like, best mates. And then it's really fun. And yeah. I'm like, doing anything with some of your best mates is really fun. Watching a terrible... That's why they're your best mates. Watching a terrible movie. When you're a kid, you can kick rocks and sticks around in the street. And it's yeah. plenty of fun if you're doing it with your mates. That is not a an endorsement of the the thing. And, like, that's kind of how I feel about Commander. Like, I don't, I don't really... I don't particularly like playing Commander with Strangers, personally. I know some mm-hmm. people love that because they like showing off their decks, and that's totally fine. But, um, yeah, I fully identify with David here. But it sounds like David's never actually tried it. The, and so, this is what I want to pick up on because yeah. I was in exactly the same position as, as David was, and boy, was I wrong. So I had friends who were into it. I had friends who asked me if they wanted to play. Um, and then I, I had this thing. I was like, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if my street cred, my magic street cred can me can handle me. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I can be seen to be, you know, wallowing around with the rest of the filthy casuals. Right. And this, there's one thing that's in this question that really makes me, that really tickles me here. Should I just swallow my pride and build a deck? <laughs> What, yeah, what that- is your pride? Like, because I feel like it's the same way. And now I'm looking like, what has your pride got to do with it, man? It's so much fun. Come on. Uh, like, I agree. I, like, I'm having people come over to my place to play Commander literally tomorrow as we record this podcast. That's true. That's not, mm. that, not, I, I'm not, I, you know, if I'm lying, I'm dying, Riley. That is, that is true. But um, I think that, what I think they have means by saying, should I swallow my pride is they've put up a fight and it's like when it's like when a friend bothers you to do something like I yeah. bothered you to listen to Dun- Dungeons and Daddies a Dun- yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons podcast right yeah and you're like no I don't really feel like it and, we're like, and me and James and Jeff and I was like ah go on you're like no I'm not really and you're like ah go on and eventually you have to just sort of fall to that Actually, sort yeah, of siege yeah, no, okay. that people that, that makes you. a little more sense because I did have to swallow my pride and admit to you that it's really really good so yeah, that, yeah. Okay. If, if that's where David's coming from then that's that's fine but the point I want to make is there's nothing wrong with playing commander but I definitely had that perception that it's like oh no it's for casuals it's for, it's it's for, it's for, it's for filthy casuals exactly right and um you know, then eventually I gave in uh, and embraced the format. And do you know what it is? And this is what this is the this is the recommendation I give to for, to people who are thinking about if they want to play Commander. Remember when you first started playing? Remember when you were playing like sixty seven card decks at a kitchen table, and like mm. you didn't you didn't you know you had the one of rare that you'd opened in a booster pack, and you never got the other three copies because whatever else like that. That's what it's like. It's it, it captures more than any other experience in Magic. The, the, the that kitchen table. Oh, I didn't even know that card existed. Type thing, you know. Um, and for that reason, I, I recommend that everyone gives it a go at least once. You you very quickly learn whether you like Commander or not. It happens very quickly. Right. And here's the thing, though. Like David asked this while they played and build a deck. Mm. I think you can get up and like building your deck and like playing the kind of magic you like and finding a commander you identify with and stuff is a is an important and cool part of that format. But I think you can get a pretty good idea if the format's for you by just borrowing a deck a couple yes. times. Yes, 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 and that, and that's what I'm saying. You know, it doesn't take you too long after you've sat down at the game at a game of commander to realize, well, no, I hate this. No, I, I this is this is not for me. Like, I, it's not, I'm not for everyone. It really isn't, and that's and it fine. Isn't. It's not. But the thing is, like, and, and I want to bring back to uh, bring back to another point that you mentioned. Uh, if David is 
if, if David's friends are asking him to play, if David's best mates are saying you should come, he's probably going to have a good time just as you said, because they're his best mates and doing anything with your best mates is good fun. But that's one thing that I've really noticed is like at, at Command, when I went to Command Fest, Dennis, and, and played with a bunch of different people, I was blown away by the different table dynamics. Like we are the filthiest mm. of casuals in my play group because we all let each other get away with stuff. We don't have any infinite combos, nothing that's too oppressive. It's all very fun and, you know, very, very friendly. And then I sit down to, next to Josh Lee Kwai, who is <laughs> one of the nastiest villains to have to play with or against when it comes to games of command. A okay, lovely bloke, wanna, wanna, a lovely bloke wanna, off the table. But when he's playing command, I tell you what, the gloves come off. Oh boy, I'm still I want to take recovering. a brief aside about this because this video should actually be going up on channelfireball.com this week. It is our coverage from the charity tournament at Command Fest, and I think yeah. it's going up this week. So by the time this podcast goes out, it actually might be available to yeah, watch don't, already. Don't watch it. Don't, not worth it. But not, it not, is. No, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, I have I never seen such a thorough dismantling of a human being as this. Josh gets so far inside Riley's head. It's. You, you like. I feel bad for Riley because, like, watching the clip from the booth and stuff, you, watching the footage, you can see it's actually it was genuinely emotionally oh, it affecting you. It was awful. It was it was terrible. I hated it so much. He absolutely, <laughs> he absolutely did an he did an absolute number on me. He did an absolute, it was he, so good. Basically, he, he like guilt trips and like twists and turns and manipulates Riley so masterfully yeah, that yeah. oh, it's a sight to behold. I'm just too nice, Dennis. I'm too nice. That's the problem. You know, I take people at their word. I don't. I don't expect betrayal. I try to be honest at all times. I'm just. I'm just a lamb at the slaughter when it comes to Josh Lee Quai winning games of Commander. He didn't even so, win as so well. He just the, knocked the, me the, out and then died straight away. It was terrible. The, the cliff notes is basically that like Josh got, got you to commit to a deal and then kind of took a loose interpretation of that deal afterwards. And when you when you tried to go against what he claimed he thought the, the deal was, yeah, he looked at you and I'll never forget this. He was like, "Look." If you want to go back on your word, that's fine. I just want you to tell me that that's what you're doing to me. And yeah. you were like, oh, my, it was amazing. The line that really got me was like, no, look, it's okay, Riley. We all have our own individual in, uh, conception of honor. He, oh, he absolutely wrecked me. Anyway, that is not what I enjoy in Commander. I enjoy a much more casual play style. And, and you look, it, you know, if your friends are wanting you to play that badly, if they're bugging you to play, they'll, they'll make some concessions to how you want to play. And if you, here's the, here's the other thing about Commander. If you've been playing for a long time, like if you've just been playing Magic for a long time anyway, you basically, ha- you'll probably have two thirds of a Commander deck just in your shoebox. Right. Assuming you keep all your cards in a shoebox like I do. Unsorted, <laughs> unsleeved, just dump them in there. I don't have time to sort them. I'm busy. Um, if yeah. you actually, that sounds horrible. I don't even want to joke about that. All my cards are very, cl- very carefully sorted. I just yeah, you're a very anal them. person. I did not believe well, that for even I, I, you know, I, there's different ways to describe it, but I like to be organised. Yes, I like to know where the cards are and you know sort them by by colour and converted mana cost and whatever else. So it's all fine. But um, David, David, in short, Riley and I both, I think, think you should try playing Commander with your friends. I don't hmm. think you necessarily need to build a deck right away. Just borrow. Like, if you ask a, a Commander player if, if they if you can borrow their deck, they are almost always delighted. They're like, oh yeah, this one's great and it's got this combo that you can do this, this, that, yeah. that and this one's cool and everything mm-hmm. and it's a snake or whatever. People will, ju- people will jump on the opportunity to let you pilot their babies. And I think that that's a great, and you'll, like Riley said, you'll know pretty quickly if it's the kind of thing for you or not. Riley, I'd like to talk a little bit about something that uh, Mashi and Gabby and their special guest Bloody talked about on Magic FM last week, which is survivorship bias in sort of the content creator world. So you and I both, I mean, I don't so much anymore stuff in this podcast, but started out as independent content creators, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you a little bit about your motivations and your experience into getting where you are today, where people will consider you to be a successful content creator. So what, what did that journey look like for you and 
if somebody were, wanted to start doing that now, what advice could you give them? Because I think we might have different takes on this. Right. Okay. So survive. Hang on. Before survive, I just want to make sure I understand what survivorship bias is. Survivorship bias is looking at like if you look at something, for example, content creation, you only hear from the people who have quote unquote made it. So any um, like feedback or any perspectives you get on what it's like is from people who have only been. It's like it's like actors saying, "Follow your dreams." You yeah, don't, you don't you, get visibility on the people who are on the dozens of people who are streaming on Twitch to zero or one viewer playing magic yes, or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so I think the the headline, the first thing I'm going to say before, well, the second thing I'm going to say before I start, I'll tell this story. I don't think I've made it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm one of those people who is inside looking out as opposed to outside looking in. I I have never felt like I've quote unquote made it. Um, I know other people will have a different perspective, but my perspective is I haven't made it. But that doesn't stop me from answering the question you asked. My so- definition of made it in this case, I think, is that um, your content creation is your primary source of income. And in your case, it is your only source of income. Uh yes okay all right if that if that's the definition that's fine uh that that's that's probably a reasonable one as well but I suppose I suppose my perspective is I could always be doing better right we, um, yeah you know? you're not you know you're not PewDiePie or Ninja or whatever no no thankfully um anyway we so the story like my content creation kind of happened to be by accident uh and obviously it it happened because I was doing I'd been doing coverage for a long time uh in conjunction it was the third job I had along with teaching primary school and um and doing guided tours of Berlin. And then once I got a gig on the Pro Tour, uh, I then started writing articles uh, that got picked up by by CFB. And that just kind of expanded to the point where I didn't need to do any other work. Um, I was earning enough from the from both coverage and CFB uh, to to get by effectively. And, and, and so that was a, obviously a big step, a big step forward. Um, and then from there, I've just, I've continued, I've tried to expand to other areas and, you know, I've tried to make videos and now podcasts as well with Magic, with Scrummy River, uh, while still doing uh, coverage for, for Wizards and, you know, and for CFB at the Command Fests and, and whatever but else. But even, so, even outside of that, you've also got like Half House History, which has recently become a genuine source of income for you. Uh, yeah, I suppose, yes. I, I, again, I'm... <laughs> I don't really see half of history is a little bit different, right? Because half of history started off as a hobby and started off as doing something that I wanted to do just for myself and didn't care if anyone. Else, like I put it up for other people to listen to, but I didn't care if anyone did or not. That see, was, I that think that is, I, I think that is essential. I think that attitude is essential as a piece of advice for people who are trying. Who like, if someone's sitting around today and think like, "Ooh, maybe I'll start streaming magic," or "Ooh, I could start a podcast or a YouTube channel yeah. or whatever," yeah. I think that perspective is essential because, like, when I. When I started making uh, videos on Windmill Slam, which is my old YouTube channel, you can still look at it. It's all still there. I mean, nothing's been uploaded in years, but anyway. Um, I started doing that because me and a friend of mine used to draft together on Magic Online, and wouldn't it be funny if we recorded it? End of end of thought process. Yeah, and that's kind of how Arena Boys started too, yeah. Exactly. We uploaded our first video, and we're like, oh, if it gets 100 views, that'd be insane. Like, that'd be yeah. crazy, you know? Yeah. And so, and we were doing it anyway. We were doing it for the fun of it. And like, we both had, like, we were both in college at the time. And as time went on, I, I was, you know, I was working in the hospital and Ushin was finishing his engineering degree and stuff. It was never the primary thing that we were doing mm. until, and I mean, it never actually was me because I ended up going to work for CFB rather than um, pursuing it full time. But I think that knowing when to pull the trigger on that is difficult. And I think starting out with the intent for content creation to be your primary source of income, I think honestly is a mistake. It's a really, it's really tough 
there, there are a couple of things going on here because I've had it from both sides. I'm going to tell you a little story about something that happened to me when I was much younger, which is um, it's still I'm not I don't know how bitter I am about it, but it's still something that definitely is a little sore. doesn't sit super well with exactly a little sore. So when I when I was twenty twenty one, I started a band. Right, and mm-hmm. I started a band because I wanted to be a rock star. And you know, I'm I'm not a very gifted musician by any stretch. I can play a couple of different. I can't sing, but um, I wrote songs that were like fine, and I you know cobbled together a drummer and a bassist, another guitarist, and, and whatever else we had, a, 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 you know, keys and you know just a little five piece. Um, and we were lucky to get like twenty people to our shows. Our mm-hmm. Twitter account had like fifty followers, and uh, there was just it was very uh, in terms of what a lot of people would call success in terms of metrics like numbers right uh lacking in in on, on, across the board and uh my girlfriend at the time uh a woman named Georgia she was the uh personal assistant for Claire Bowditch who is a very very famous Australian singer very very famous indeed she's won a bunch of um uh the equivalent of grammys um she's won a bunch of of arias they're called it's just a and, grammy uh, but upside down yeah yeah exactly uh, very hard to balance on your trophy cabinet um, oh, yeah. and she, and she, we, we went out to dinner one time, Georgia set it up and, and Georgia was like, oh, you know, Claire wants to have a chat with you about, about like success in the music industry. I'm like, fantastic. She's going to, you know, give me all the shortcuts, all the how to make yeah, it, that yeah. sort of stuff. And I ended up being, leaving that dinner absolutely red faced with unbridled fury because Claire sat down with me and was just totally honest. And she said to me, you are never going to make it as a rock star. She just looked at me and just said that. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you say that? Like, how dare you crush my dreams like that? She said, I'll tell you why you're never going to make me make it as a rock star, Riley. It's because you only make music because you want to be a rock star. You, you need to make music for the love of it. You need to make music that e- you need to write songs that even if no one ever hears, you still feel okay about it. And I was like, yep, yeah, so easy for you to say, miss, I've got, you know, 4,000 uh, arias and I'm, you know, a success, I've got record deals and all that sort of stuff. You know, you've made it. It's so easy for you to look back at it and say it. And it was really, really bitter pill to, pill to swallow. And of course, I didn't become a rock star. I didn't make it for the very simple reason that someone introduced me to magic and so goodbye every single other hobby. Um, but now as someone who, you know, is, as I, I guess, as you've said, is drawing his, his principal income from content creation, an industry in which, again, you entertainment, you need to, quote unquote, make it. Man, those words are very true. It's very yeah, true. Yeah, and it's not it's, because it's not it because sucks, it, man. It sucks, but that's just kind of how it is. I don't think it's for the reason people expect either. Like what Georgia was saying there isn't that like oh the music you're making is soulless or the music you're making isn't like coming from the right place in your heart. It's not that. It's this is like becoming a successful entertainer or actor or musician or comedian or content mm. creator. Any of these sort of grand public merit-based things where like you need you know acclaim and visibility to succeed becoming successful any of those things involves such intense patience and resolve Mm. and acceptance that there's so many of these things that are totally outside of your control that you can't affect at all it requires so much strength against that that the only way i think the only way you could possibly survive long enough to do that is if you're doing it for reasons that are independent of that if you're doing it because it's fun for you to record arena boys with the guys or Mm. if it's fun for you to write songs or if you don't care if you're you know you're you're the fiction you're writing gets read by anybody or anything like that the only way you can survive long enough to get to that point is by doing it for, for for not waiting to get to that point Succeeding, I think, is all about um, ha- wait, being in the in a position to take an opportunity when it comes up. And the longer you're ca- you're capable of being in that position without the opportunity, 
the better. That's actually a really good way to put it. You, it is, you know, you everyone, everyone talks about their lucky break, like the thing that the thing that where their their career kind of tipped over the edge. But the fact of the matter is, you might have to, as you say, wait, just be available at that point in time for that that uh, thing, mm-hmm. to come. and you can't sit there grinding your teeth, wishing it would hurry up and come along. You've got to be making whatever you're making literally for the sake of it, and. You'll find it easier because a lot of it is just yeah, a lot of it is just it's psychological. If you're sitting there and and watching numbers on a YouTube video you've made just stay completely static, you're going to feel terrible about it. You're going to feel terrible about yourself and about that's the only the only reason you're making this is so other people look at it. No, you can't you can't force people to to fulfill your needs as a content creator. You've got to either find ways to attract people to your content and and continue to do it for a long enough period of time where that is going to become a sustainable way for you to develop a following or you've got to recognize that you your approach to it from the outset is wrong and you should be making this stuff for yourself and i know you know from my incredibly privileged position this sounds i I, i'm now saying exactly what claire bowditch was saying to me years and years Mm -hmm. ago but it's the truth of the matter the truth of the matter is if you if you are an aspiring aspiring content creator you have to be willing to make all this stuff. And and at the end of the journey, if you've still got zero subscribers and zero followers and zero views and all your stuff, you still say, hey, that wasn't a waste of time because I, I had a good amount of fun from it. It's a quote, and I think it's an Isaac Newton quote, but it could easily be one of those things that's, you know, mal appropriated to him, mm-hmm. that uh, time enjoyed wasting is not time wasted. And right, I think that that's... like Albert Einstein or Paul McCartney or... Yeah, it's one of yeah, those. Hang on, let me... I, I'm going to... Let's let's do a quick googly check on this. Okay, Bertrand Russell, not even close. <laughs> no, yeah, no, not not even close. Um, Within the same image on brainyquote.com, it is attributed to both John Lennon and Bertrand Russell. I mean, I mean that they probably both said it. At some, I mean, I said it. Put me on brainyquote. I just said yeah. It I mean, as I well. just said it now. Yeah. Exactly, anyway, yeah. I I do firmly believe that time enjoy, time enjoyed wasting is not time wasted, and that's the kind of approach you have to have, where you have to do this, and it, you can get some sort of self fulfillment out of it. And yeah. look. Riley, if you hadn't, if nobody had ever listened to Half Hour's History, right? Yeah. And you had made, a, you, you have what, 70-something uh, episodes of it now? Uh, 70, yeah, 70, 72, 73, yeah. So, like, so like, it. It's very good. <laughs> well, you, you, have a, you, you have a year and a half of episodes now. Yeah. If no one listened to it, you could look back and you made a year and a half of what are sensibly radio broadcasts. And well, That's the, cool. The, That's not nothing. But it's also very fulfilling for me because it's something that I really like and really enjoy about. And it, I did it m- mostly as a way to ensure that I stayed in touch with history uh, and, right. and gave myself a reason to to read historical texts on a, on a with with some discipline, not just like oh, when I feel about, uh, when I feel okay, Dennis. It's bombshell time. Are you ready for a Riley Knight bombshell? All right. Oh, the hot take. Hot, fresh not, out of the oven. No, no, no. It's not a hot take. Now, you already know about the thing that I'm going to start talking about. You, you, you're going to immediately recognize what I'm talking about because this is something I've shared with you in the past. But this isn't something that I've talked about uh, with magic very much at all. And this proves my point. Mm-hmm. In 2009, I bought a DSLR camera, right? Oh, yes. And a bunch of my friends were going, oh, what a waste of money. You're not going to use it. Da, da, da. And I was like, you know what? I'll show all of you guys. I'm going to I'm going to take a photo with this camera every single day and I'm going to upload it to the internet. I'm going to have a photo blog that is just 100%. Like every single day there's going to be a new photo. I stopped that photo blog this year after having done it for 10 years. A decade. I did I did it for a decade. And at that point I was like, I think I've achieved everything I want to achieve with it and I'm going to put it to bed and I don't feel bad about having done that. Would you like to know how many views Explosives in the Cargo Hold.net has got lifetime? How many? My stupid photo blog was viewed 
2,500 times over 10 years. That's an average of 250 views a year, right? Most and you were whom, posting every day. Most of whom were just my mum. But and you were posting every day. That means the vast majority of your posts have zero views. Uh, overwhelming. No, no, no. Because like, let's say mum logs on and she'd scroll through a bunch of the oh, sure, photos suppose, and that sort of yeah. stuff. But overall, like a, a, a Twitch rounding error worth of people were looking at this have looked at this website over the last decade. Yeah, you were put, yeah, here's the thing, though. You were like, but you were actively, you weren't sharing this with anybody. You were actively almost secretive about it. I'd ask you about it and you wouldn't really like talk about it. I've never seen you be like, you've never no, once told I me like, it, ooh, I uploaded I, this photo today and it was cool. That's never happened. I did it for me. Yeah. I did this. This was 100% done for me. And, and it was the sort of thing that if anyone had ever come across it and been like, hey, here's a million dollar, you know, photography contract, make it happen. I'd be like, great. Okay. But, at the end of the day, like, I did this stupid thing for 10 years just because I wanted to. And it, I still, having looked back on that, I look at that and I go, that's, you know, it's not something I want to do anymore. And so I stopped, but I'm very glad that I did it. And that, I think, is the key to successful content creation. You have to be able to want to do it regardless of how many people are looking at it. And I, again, I want to say this again. I know that's so easy for me to say in my position mm-hmm. of privilege, but that's what's driven my entire quote unquote career as a, as someone you know in in a small section of the public eye that's what i've done as a broadcaster as a content creator is just make stuff that i like looking at you have to make content you would want to watch and you have to make content if you want to be a successful content creator the, the last thing you can do is try to be a successful, successful content creator i think you have to be your own biggest fan except for yeah. your mum your mum your mum can be a bigger fan than you are of your of your sure. stuff and and that, and that that won't that won't you know that's not selling out that's not going to detract from your you know your professional authenticity i do i generally do hope this advice saves some people some kind of grief because i think it is it is easy when you're trying to be a content creator or what or whatever similar thing to get or you know let's say an actor or whatever to get bogged down in the the numbers of your latest youtube video or mm-hmm. the you know not getting a call back for this thing and yada yada but you have to you just have to understand that that's the that's the way it goes and the people you see who succeed at it are products of survivorship bias and if you want to do it because it's fun and it's something you want to be doing power to you you should do it and then you and go nuts and that's great but if you're doing it because you expect it to be a career or a, or even just expect it to be wildly successful you have to understand that for the vast majority of people it isn't and that's just a reality and it sucks and it could be different for you but you have to be prepared, prepared for it not to be Our next question, Dennis, comes to us from Kieran O'Reilly. And Kieran asks, what is the recommended response for players towards their opponents after crushing them? Especially if one player is playing a top-tier deck and the other is playing nonsense jank. Also, we've got a bonus question here, a, 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 a little supplementary question. What is the limit on the size of tokens in a game? Let's deal with the uh, let's deal with the first question first, then we'll come back to the important one, the second one afterwards. Uh, I have I have the mm-hmm. correct answer to Kieran's question, but I, I want to hear you fumble your way through it first, Dennis, and then I'll give you my answer. Well, I don't think you have any experience with Kieran's question, do you? What do you mean? I've been crushed so many cru- times. I've been, no, no, I've been, it's about crushing someone. Have you never done that? Well, I can experience what it's like when <laughs> someone... I've got a wide range of experience of people saying different things to me after they've crushed me, Dennis. So I can all definitely right, offer right. some insight as to what sure, made sure. me feel good um, or what made me feel bad. If no, you um, right. if you wipe the floor with somebody at a game of Magic the Gathering, which, you know, I've done some number of times in my life. Um, yep, I've done it a, a number of times I try- too. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I try and do, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I try and do what I would want the other person to do in that case. If I feel like, if I feel like embarrassed by a loss at magic, like are particularly bad, especially if I made a mistake or something, 
I just want to pack up my cards and go, you know, and like move away and go, go, you know, go get a drink and wait for the next round or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is if you're a stranger, because if you're if you're talking to a friend, oh, you should dunk on him. You should dunk. Oh, on oh him. no, no, Dennis. If I ever crushed you, I would. Oh, I'd be like you would be wondering when you invited me to barbecue. Barbecue, I'd be that far up in your grill. You, I, I would be. Oh, I would be loathsome. I would. Yeah, be that's so- different. But in, in, if you're talking, if, play, if you're playing with a stranger, like let's say in an F and M, for example, and you crush them. Mm. I find it best to just pack up your cards. If you want to extend a handshake or whatever, that's fine. You can. And mm. just move on. Don't be like, oh, sorry, you clearly got unlucky. Or, yeah, my hat, my draw was pretty unbeatable, yada, yada. Everybody, nobody, I don't think anybody likes those platitudes. I don't think they achieve anything. Just Are you ready, pack Dennis? them up, move them on. Are you ready? Are you, this, this is what you say. Here is the platitude. Here is mm-hmm. a, a, an honest, good faith statement you can make after any game of Magic, no matter how, it, if it's good, been good, if it's been bad, if your opponent is a salty sea dog, you've had a great time, you can always say this phrase and you're never going to be the bad person for doing it. Are you ready? Thanks for the games. Right, that's not a bad one. That's true. That's that's all you need to say. It doesn't matter if you won. It doesn't matter if you lost. Doesn't matter what what happened. You say thanks for the games because, you know, even if they are having a terrible time, even if they're sitting there, you know, looking like they want to bloody you know uninstall magic forever and and throw their car- cards in the in the bin, you can still thank them for taking for for the fact that they took their time to play a game of magic with you, win, lose, or draw. And you can it's it, you know this is this is the this is the spirit behind saying good game. You're showing respect to the game of magic and to your opponent by by acknowledging that the game that you play. I mean, good game is a little difficult because you know if one person like floods out or get ma- gets mana screwed and it's just objectively mm-hmm. not a good game of magic, then you can run into some you know you can run into some hot water. But if you say thanks for the games, it's completely it's 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 the perfect thing to say. No one can ever be upset when you say that to them. Like I have said before, you know, good games, and the person's been like, "Oh, it was exactly a good game though, because I drew two lands and blah blah blah." blah. And that's not exactly the tone you want to end the game of Magic on. I think that's the kind of thing Kieran's trying to avoid here. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that this sort of is a kind of get out of jail free card for those situations. And I'm, I make a habit of saying it. I don't even really think about it. At the end of each game, I say that because I know that it's something that is is going to either, you know, ameliorate an awkward or a salty or a, uh, you know, or, or an opponent that's a little bit, you know, having, having a bit of a bad time. But it's also something you can say to someone that you've just had a great game with. And, it, you know, it, because you all, you should always mean it. You should always mean it when you finish playing a game of Magic. Someone's given you their time. They played, they played a game yeah, of exactly. Magic with you. It's, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Um, and Kieran made, makes reference, specifically says, if one player is playing a, t- a top-tier deck and the other is playing nonsense jank, you can still thank them for that. You say, hey, you know, thanks for playing the games with me. And... and that's all that really needs to be said about it. You know, you said before, like, you need to get out of there quick. You need to sort of just back off gracefully and, and give them space, especially if they're, you know, especially if you've just crushed them. And that's a good way to do it. That's a good way mm-hmm. to make a make an exit that isn't awkward or... Uh, Clean, you know, or, yeah. Or, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So now, Dennis, we turn our attention to the much more important question. What is the, the limit on the size of tokens in a game? So what is this... What do you, what do you interpret this question as? I mean, this is like, so you've sat down, you're playing some, you know, Selesnia deck that's got lots of tokens and you pull out, I don't know, bookmarks. To, yeah. You, so you, I was, so I, I, I want, I, I was wondering if Kieran meant number of tokens or how big a token can be, like can a token be a 99.99? But I do hope he means physical representations of tokens. Like if you're using a muffin or like yeah, a, yeah. a, a CD Honda case. Accord as your token. Yeah. Okay. You know? <laughs> no, now we're, now we're real. That's going to be hard. You, know, you have to do a three point turn to tap that one. I, okay. This, tap, this is yeah, what yeah. I want to talk about. This, this is a much more important question here. 
Is there a, I would say the size of the table comes into it, but if you're going to commit to it that much, then you shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. You should be able to remove the table as a, what if you're using the table as a token? Here's the thing. There's always magic cards available. Like I've seen plenty of people put a face down card from a a a deck as a sleeve or Mm. an actual token of the wrong type or whatever. So I don't think you should ever use anything that's larger than a magic card because I think, you know, an unrelated magic card is the floor. Ah, uh, well, but what I mm, see, this is this. What about if you want to assert your dominance? What about if you want to want to get involved? Oh, in if you're trying that, to send a, if you're trying to send a message, this by is what all I'm means, about. by Absolutely. all means, slap you a fat turkey use... leg onto the battlefield and be like one one soldier, baby. That's fine. That's it. That's it. Flower pots, DVD mm, cases. Mm. Uh, what else could you DVD use? players? I mean, DVD players, televisions. There's, there's no there's no upper limit if you're in a position where you want to assert your dominance over someone else. You know, if this is, you know, we were talking about when we're playing with our friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use their possessions. Take a hat off their head oh, and use absolutely. that. Take their absolutely. shoes out of the hallway and plop them on the table. Start tapping them, attacking for five of them in the Oh, air. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So my girlfriend Nikki and uh, my girlfriend Nikki and her friends used to play um God, okay, I think it was uh, I think it was in Commander they used to do it, where they mm. would use Skittles as one one counters. So your creature would have three or four Skittles on it, and if you ate one of the Skittles, your creature doesn't have the counter on it anymore. That's the price yeah. you pay. That's the price you pay. Yeah, exactly. I like. I so like you're making these you're making these much. reckless blocks. Be like, oh, if this guy dies, I get to eat three of these Skittles. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, I want this thing to die so I can I can have a little bit of a snack ski. That's very that's very powerful. That's very strong. Um, you know, if Kieran's asking about in a serious yeah a serious competitive situation, obviously yes, anything bigger than a, than a sleeve, a magic card sleeve is is unacceptable. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about using a, a Honda Record as a, as a as a token, you know, at a, at a Magic Fest, Dennis. No, no, no. We're talking about no. relocating your commander game out to the car park so you can three point turn your your Honda your Honda Record and 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 attack someone with it. Not in a, not in a literal sense, in a figurative sense, but that's that's asserting dominance. Yeah, for me. I, I feel like I feel like for liability's sake, we have to we have to say, please do not run over your opponents with your car in your, in a well, game of Magic the Gathering. Well, well, or if you, you know, do, don't tell them you heard about it here. That's fine too. <laughs> And as long as you say, thanks for the games afterwards, Dennis, you know, while they're lying strung up on those pulleys and weights in hospital, well, I mean, you know, if they're going to be salty about it afterwards, that's on them. That's it for another episode of Scry Me a River. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. Dennis, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. It was actually a really, really good one. And I feel like we offered some genuine sage advice for a little for a, a flash in the pan for a couple of minutes in the middle there. Yeah, exactly. We talked a lot of nonsense, but then all of a sudden, just uh, you know, amongst all of the uh, amongst all of the tripe, there's just mm, some glinting, gleaming diamonds, Dennis. Mm, mm, mm. Tasty, tasty diamonds. You can't eat a diamond. It'll play. It'll play havoc with your uh, your dental well being. Exactly, I and mean, that that is the last thing we want. But what we That's do want thing. for you to do is submit us your questions, your queries, your quandaries, and uh, let us let us spew our fresh, hot advice all over you here on this podcast. Wow, that's very, very graphic. I mean, we can also serve it up in a little bowl if you prefer that. Uh, I mean, really, the you know the, the delivery of the advice, is, is it's up to you how you want it delivered. But uh, the, the, the point stands, Dennis. Please, people, get in touch. Uh, the best way to do this is on Twitter. You can DM both of us or one of us or whoever you want. Uh, at Radicary Tower for me, at Stranjack for Dennis, uh, or you can just at us and we'll see that as well. It's uh, it's completely up to you. But yeah, yeah, please do send in the, those questions and thank you to David and Kieran for uh, for contributing this week. Uh, but that's it. We're done. Um, special thanks go to Joachim Karad for the theme music to this uh, podcast. Please go and have a listen to all this stuff. It's all on YouTube and it's all fantastic. And of course, to channelfireball.com, the best cards in 
the multiverse. That's it. We're done. We'll see you next week for more Scrymy River. Uh, take care of yourselves until then.